0: Hi, friend. It's Becky from DemocraSexy. sexy I'm so glad you're here. So the subtitle of this podcast, which is not really a podcast, <laughs> is Voice Memos from a Pleasure Activist. Um, it's just voice memos. It's very informal here, obviously. You have noticed. Um, so I wanted to back up a second and explain what I mean when I talk about pleasure activism. And I'll take you back to when I first decided to get involved in political activism, organizing. It was after Trump was elected. Um, Before that, I really had not done anything besides vote in terms of uh, political organizing. And... Immediately, what I realized is that the change that we are seeking to create, I'm here in Texas, um, but really anywhere, it's huge. Racial justice, gender equity, a livable planet, all the things. These are enormous tasks that we are trying to take on. So it's a long game. And, and unfortunately i think these issues will not be solved in my lifetime so i'm in it for life so how do i sustain myself for that long doing this work that is hard and can be demoralizing a lot of the time i realized pretty immediately that i'm going to have to infuse this work with joy as much as i possibly can if i want to be able to keep at it um it's going to have to fill my soul because my sense of duty can only take me so far before I burn all the way out. So it was not too long after I had started my kind of first round of organizing work, which was with um, a couple other amazing women. We did this podcast called The Rabble Podcast, which was much more produced than what I'm doing now. Um, And we were doing some organizing work here in Texas to try and make it easier and more fun for folks to learn about the political system here. And not too long into doing that work, I discovered, wait a minute, someone not only gave my organizing philosophy a name, they had written a book about it. And Adrienne Marie Brown wrote the book called Pleasure Activism. And since reading that book, I've sort of become obsessed with everything that she's put out into the world. She's written a lot of other amazing books. She's got some podcasts that are incredible. Um, she recently teamed up with Sonia Renee Taylor and did something called the Institute for Radical Permission or Institute of Radical Permission. And I signed up for that. There's a, a journal um, which helps you kind of figure out how to give yourself your own radical permission that i've got so definitely check out all of her work but um what i got started with was pleasure activism and um it, you know it's funny because when when i talk about being a pleasure activist or pleasure activism i see people often get kind of uh squirmy about it <laughs> because i think often when we hear the word pleasure we think immediately sex. Um, but pleasure is not only about sex. That is a whole other diatribe for another day. But um, I did want to read you an excerpt from Adrienne Marie Brown's book, Pleasure Activism, to give you a better sense of um, just the way that she words it. I, When I first read it, I was like, yes, I was just so... Relieved that somebody had articulated so well um, what I had been feeling. So Adrienne Rubrienne says Pleasure activism asserts that we all need and deserve pleasure and that our social structures must reflect this. In this moment, we must prioritize the pleasure of those most impacted by oppression. Yes. Pleasure activists seek to understand and learn from the politics and power dynamics inside of everything that makes us feel good. This includes sex and the erotic drugs, fashion, humor, passion work, connection, reading, cooking, and or eating, music, and other arts, and so much more. Pleasure activists believe that by tapping into the potential goodness in each of us, we can generate justice and liberation, growing a healing abundance where we have been socialized to believe only scarcity exists. Pleasure activism acts from an analysis that pleasure is a natural, safe, and liberated part of life, and that we can offer each other tools and education to make sure sex, desire, drugs, connection, and other pleasures aren't life-threatening or harming, but life-enriching. Pleasure activism includes work and life lived in the realms of satisfaction, joy, and erotic aliveness that bring about social and political change. Ultimately, pleasure activism is us learning to make justice and liberation the most pleasurable experiences we can have on this planet. Ah, yes, I love that so much. Um and another So when I when I first started getting involved in activism, it was kind of simultaneous for me with an awakening within my own Body. And I truly believe that when we are engaged in change making, we are coming into our individual power in such a way that it's almost impossible to not embody that in our physical bodies, too. So when I look back on the time that I started getting involved in activism, it was simultaneous with, and I'm kind of embarrassed to admit this, but it's simultaneous with um, starting to use a vibrator for the first time. And at the time it seemed coincidental, but now looking back, I think it is all connected because, um, Oh, there's another great quote that I heard from Esther Perel, the sex therapist. She was, I think it was a in an interview that she gave on the podcast on being. And I wrote it down in my notes app on my phone and I look at it sometimes because it just the truth that surged through my body when I heard her say this. Esther said, "When people are engaged in revolutionary movements, they feel erotic." And that just felt so true to me. And there's another, there's a piece by Audre Lorde called, um, Oh, the erotic uses of the erotic, the erotic is power, um, which is an incredible, incredible essay. And I, again, um, highly recommend reading that because it just puts to words something that is fundamentally true about change-making work. Um, and one of the things that I think that makes it so sustaining for folks. It is a type of power um, that is almost primal. Um, so that's kind of what I'm talking about when I'm talking about pleasure activism. And yes, like there is an erotic quality to it. And I don't, but when I talk about erotic, and Audrey Lorde says this better than me, it's not just about sex. It's about like the power of creation and the power of imagining a new way of being and of like fully living into our own possibility. Um, and it's funny too, when I think back, uh, (laughs) so if you have followed my work for the last couple of years during the pandemic, you'll see that I've been getting more and more woo woo, (laughs) but, um, One of the first sort of woo-woo things I ever did was uh, back – I have two kiddos. They're six and eight years old now. But um, before getting pregnant with each of them, I spoke with a psychic. And before getting pregnant with my second daughter, I remember the the psychic sort of asking me what had been going on in my life and and whatnot. And I talked about how much fun – my husband and I were having at the time, Um, like going to see music and just doing lots of creative things and fun things. Um, It was just a very lighthearted time in our lives. And I will never forget her telling me, oh, having fun and being full of joy is a very welcoming environment for creation and for new life. So she predicted that I would get pregnant like not too long after. And she was right, which was actually kind of surprising for me because, um, I had had to do fertility treatments and it it had taken like a year and a half. And, um, and I had had a miscarriage before getting pregnant with my first daughter. So, um, I was a little dubious when she said that it would be quicker, a quicker, uh, experience with the second, but she was right. And I actually do think that Um, just the lightheartedness and joy that we were experiencing in our lives had something to do with creating a space, um, to invite a new life in. So all of that to say, um, when I'm talking about pleasure activism, I'm not saying that we should ignore painful realities. Or simply add sprinkles to a shit souffle, <laughs> which sometimes Texas certainly can feel like. Um, that's not what I'm talking about. We absolutely must acknowledge and sit with grief when it's there and here in Texas, as in a lot of places where progress, um, places that are resistant to progress. Um, there's a lot of grief. Um And happiness and pleasure are different. So for example, I find pleasure in going to see a sad movie and crying my eyes out because that also is a type of release that feels good. So I think those of us who are doing organizing work for social justice or any kind of progress in Texas or anywhere that change is difficult, I think we need to be better about creating space for our grief and sadness. I don't think we can really make progress if we go through the motions of organizing, you know, knocking on doors or, you know, showing up to city council meetings or the state legislature, whatever. I don't think we can go through the motions of organizing without dealing with our emotions. And my work has always incorporated and awareness of feelings, and even a cultivation of feelings. So if you have been to my events, democracy events, Texasism, which was all about the loss of our abortion rights, or Valentine's Day, which was a celebration of the trans community in the wake of the heinous attacks that our leaders are, um, and, and truly often forcing that community out of the state of Texas you know, those are heavy things. And if you came to my events that I organized around those things, you probably felt the entire spectrum of emotion throughout the event. Um, It's one of the things that people tell me they love about coming to my events. They probably cried, but they also probably danced their asses off. And I think it can feel good to have the permission to experience the full spectrum of emotion when we're doing work that is complicated and that is um, difficult. So I learned a lot this past election in Texas based on people's reactions to my events and also based on kind of the hard data of what pieces of my content were getting shared the most. And one of my biggest takeaways is that the emotional barriers to civic participation in Texas are tremendous, and they are largely going unaddressed. So going forward in my work, I'm going to be even more mindful of the emotional state of voters and the psychological barriers that are erected when we talk about voter suppression and gerrymandering, and how we go about overcoming not just those structural barriers in the system, but also the psychological and emotional barriers that accompany them. This has always been an important but neglected part of the organizing efforts I've seen but heading into a state legislative session where Texas Republican politicians, based on their recent victory, feel empowered to go all in on transphobic, racist, misogynist policies, the emotional and community-building components of our organizing work cannot be ignored anymore. If we are to be resilient, paying attention to our emotional and psychological state as organizers is required. So I plan to focus even more on those elements in my work going forward because I see people, longtime passionate organizers, just saying, I give up, I can't anymore. And if we can't create a a space that's sustaining hope and sustaining community, not only are we going to continue to lose really talented organizers, but we're not going to attract new people to the effort. And there are, there's no way that we can truly make the progress we want to make unless we get more people involved. And so I am committed to creating spaces, creating community um, that's irresistible as Tony K. Babara, um, another black feminist uh, thinker, like Adrienne Marie Brown said, she said, the role of the artist is to make the revolution irresistible. And I think that that's, we all have to become artists if we're going to be organizers. Uh, So I just want to wrap up with some very exciting news that I have been freaking out over the last few days. Um, A couple days ago, I got confirmation that I will be speaking on a panel about dismantling the patriarchy and purity culture at the Sexology Summit in Washington, D.C., March 10th and 11th. I am so thrilled to be speaking on this topic. I have a lot to say. um, And I'm really excited to get the opportunity to share my thoughts and also to meet with uh, other panelists and learn from them. And I have to thank my friend Alicia Rothweigel for telling me about the conference. She is also gonna be speaking at it. She's an intersex activist and just an incredible and powerful human. If you're not already following her on Instagram, definitely give her a follow, XOXY underscore Alicia, A-L-I-C-I-A. I'll um, link in the show notes too. She's the one who told me about it and I'm so grateful um, because do you know who is headlining the keynote address for the Sexology Summit where I also will be speaking? Adrian Marie Brown is going to be giving a keynote on pleasure activism. And I am like sweaty. Every part of my body is sweaty right now just talking about it because I still cannot believe I am pinching myself that I am going to be speaking at a conference where my freaking hero is headlining. I can't believe it. So I will include a link to that summit if anybody um, wants to take a little field trip to DC. And then if you want to see me and hear more about my um, learnings from this past election, even sooner than that, Thursday, December 15th from 6.30 to 8 p.m. at Bruin Brew, Brew in Austin, I'm going to be giving a little presentation on what I learned about voters in Texas from my work on the 2022 mid- midterms. And then because I really want it to be kind of like a knowledge sharing situation. I'm I'm eager for y'all to, to learn my takeaways, but I also really want to hear from other folks what their observations and learnings were um, this past election in Texas, and also your hopes for the future. Because I think it's really important to dream about the way that we want things to be. So this isn't going to be like a Endless bitch session. <laughs> Hopefully, it's going to be really constructive and instructive um, so that we can figure out, you know, kind of put our heads together and figure out, okay, what is the, our path forward here in Texas? Um, there's only 30 spots. It's a small space and it's free. So you should definitely come, but you should absolutely. Uh, grab a ticket because I don't want folks to show up on the night of and not be able to get in because it's already full. So I will include a link to that as well. And yeah, I'm just grateful for y'all. And I am looking forward to creating more opportunities for us to come together as a community and find joy so that we can keep going for the long haul. Talk to y'all soon.